Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George, Joe, and Eric today. George, we'll start with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's hump day, halfway through the week, so I'm doing awesome. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, just trying to make some trades on fantasy, but nothing's working out right now. People need to lighten up. <laughs> Eric, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, just hoping Joe would lighten up so he could do a trade with me, but I guess, uh, you know, he don't like me. <laughs> uh, Eric, you just got back from a trip, right? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, man. I was just traveling, uh, traveling, you know, domestically, but I went to uh, Iowa to see some family. But it's good, man, because you know I had to stop in Dallas and go to Iowa, and uh, dude, it's like it's easy traveling, bro. Easy traveling right now. But it was cool because there's a lot of sports, of course, going on right now, of course, and like you can see all the local sports on the way over there. Like, dude, Iowa has so much local sports. Um, not really anything going on, but I mean, like college-wise, they have a lot of college, uh, like Hawkeyes or um, or just like community college sports. There's like so much like love in that area when it comes to football and like sports. In general, Eric, Eric, did you say there's a lot of hot guys out there? Um, no, uh, I mean, if you like hot guys for you, yeah, sure, but uh, hot guys that's what it is out there, man. Okay, I thought you said you liked hot guys out there, no, just hot wings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, some of today's feature topics include which team should target Chris Paul in a trade with the Thunder. Is it the right time to start Tua in Miami? And is there a mutiny going on in Dallas in the Cowboys locker room? Let's dive headfirst here on Highly Contested. Let's start with the NBA. The Oklahoma City Thunder have been in rebuild mode ever since they traded for Chris Paul in the offseason a year ago when they traded away Russell Westbrook as well. However, Chris Paul showed that it was not a rebuilding year for him as he led the team to the playoffs and took them seven games against a favored Houston Rockets team. Now there's talks of the Thunder trading Chris Paul away in order for them to truly rebuild. So, George, which team should target Chris Paul in a trade with the Thunder? Yeah, so uh, that's a good question, my friend. Uh, a lot of the trade rumors right now going on are, you know, with the Lakers since CP3 and LeBron are friends. But I think that the team that should make this move and acquire Chris Paul is the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're talking about a team that has underperformed from their expectations the last few years. I've been saying this the last couple of years that the Bucks need a true number two player who can go and get their own bucket without someone setting them up. I've mentioned players like Bradley Beal or like a CJ McCollum type of player before. But now thinking about it with everything in context and with CP3 on the trade market, I think this is a must have 
for the Milwaukee Bucks. We're talking about a player that just proved he can go out and put a team on his back and overachieve and make younger players better. And he still has the ability to go out and get his own shots while still being a true point guard who can elevate the game of the rest of the team and help Giannis. Giannis needs a true point guard that could set him up for easier shots. Chris Paul is also clutch. This would be a great fit for the Bucks to bring in a guy like Chris Paul that can elevate the team, but also take the load off of Giannis's shoulders in big moments when the defenses are able to focus on him. What are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I like that. But, you know, I think uh, Stern is about to come out of his grave right now and veto that idea. But uh, I do like <laughs> I do like it. I'm not going to lie. Don't, I do like the don't even get me started with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of Chris Paul going to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that's a perfect fit for Chris Paul. Um, just look how he thrived with the OKC Thunder. Um, you just put any pieces around him and it seems to work out. Um, we could put an asterisk on the Houston Rockets, though. But that's a whole di- uh, different dumpster fire. But anyway. Uh, everywhere I look, you know, I've been deep diving and trying to find out for a few days now where Chris Paul would land because I feel like OKC is just full of pieces that are get ready, getting ready to either ship out by themselves due to free agency or obviously trade via Chris Paul. But uh, like Gallinari, you know, free agent coming up. But uh, yeah, Chris Paul, I feel like it would be the Lakers who make the strongest move for Chris Paul. And to me, I understand it, and I don't understand it. One, it would be bad for the Lakers salary-wise because it's a bigger contract, and they have Rondo there as a good um, off-the-bench slash starter if they really wanted to. I mean, he had really clutch moments here in the bubble and the playoffs and finals and everything. He did really, really well for them. So to me, it's like, why would you fix something that's not broken? Uh, I don't think the Lakers should really go for that, but I do feel like the Lakers would make the strongest push, and I really do think they want that Chris Paul just because LeBron James is there, and he would love to have that. Uh, friendship vibe and everything. So I do think the Lakers do the strongest push and I do think they would try and make something for that. Yeah. So just real quick to uh, piggyback on what you're saying right there. Um, You know, it it is a trade, so I don't know exactly what the Lakers even have to offer since they gave up, you know, almost everything for Anthony Davis. But when it comes to Rondo, you know, because I do like Rondo and he did play big for us. But he does have that player option this year to where he can opt in or out. So that's a big factor because we already know if Chris Paul comes, Rondo ain't staying. Right, Eric? Yeah, that's true. And I think the number one asset they have to trade in that would be like number one being probably Kuzma. And then down the line would be like the JaVale or maybe if they want to. I know Howard is I think he's a free agent and uh, he's been shopping around because, you know, obviously Howard, he could be starting somewhere possibly but uh it's uh, to me it had to be a, a jumbo package for chris paul obviously it'd have to be like a kuzma howard kuzma uh javel dudley or something just something around those lines but i think kuzma is centered around centers around a kuzma yeah i mean i think like a kcp and uh bradley beal would be ideal but what are your thoughts drew well, first, before I go into that, Eric, so you're you're saying that the Lakers should be the team that trades for them? Is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I was just also giving my uh, opinion of why and why not. Hmm. Joe, do you want to do you want to take over or do you want me to go for it? Um, uh, You go ahead and do it. All right. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. You're welcome, man. All right. So I know that this team might not go for it. 
But I think that a team that would actually want him is the Indiana Pacers. This is a team with no real, like, good enough point guard, in my opinion. They got Malcolm Brogdon, and he's a great player, I think, coming off the bench. Because, you know, he's one of those he's one of those uh, 90-50-40 guys. But I think that with Chris Paul, he could thrive under that system. I don't. I didn't think the Pacers truly showed us what they were capable of this year in the playoffs, and injuries played a big factor in that. You know, Victor Oladipo was coming back from a serious injury, and then you had Sabonis, and I think that this team just has the potential to go somewhere, and maybe with a guy like Chris Paul there, they just might, because we've seen what Chris Paul can do. George, you, you alluded to it. This is a guy that he is um, – he, you know, he can go out there, he can make his own shot, he can lead a team, he's tough, he's a dog, and he showed us in the last playoffs that he's big time, man. He was he was clutch coming up in a lot of those games in the playoffs versus the Rockets, and let's keep in mind, too, they were heavily, the Rockets were heavily favored in, um, to win that series versus the Thunder, just because, you know, of course they have... Harden and Westbrook on that squad and the potential for that squad was there. So they were favored over the Thunder a lot and the Thunder made it a seven game series. It made it come down to the wire in, in game seven. So I really think that Chris Paul had a big role to play in that. He had the biggest role in to play in that, in that team. And I think that he can do exactly that with the squad, like the Indiana Pacers. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say I would kind of agree with that just because I, uh, I know they actually they end up might lose uh, Olodipo this next year. But uh, I do think Chris Paul, like I said, I think he would fit anywhere in the league. He could always thrive anywhere he goes. But do I think the Pacers need him? I don't think they're ready for that, to be honest. I feel like they're still missing a few pieces. Yeah, they'll be a playoff team but it's the east and they're gonna make it even if they're not doing too well i feel like so i don't know if that's the right team for him to go to for him personally for the team of course any team like that would want him but do i think that's chris paul's way of going i don't believe so but obviously it's not his choice it would be a trade but why would the team make that trade if they know he won't stay so yeah i i agree with you eric and I think a team that he should, you know, maybe try to force his way to, or if I am this kind of team, I should go out and try to get Chris Paul is a team that's a contender, but hasn't been able to get it there yet. And I think Milwaukee is in that mold where they got those expectations every year of making the finals and they just seem to come short. So I think a team like that could really use a savvy veteran like Chris Paul. Joe, what, what are your thoughts on what team should target him? Yeah, I like how you guys are saying, um, George, you said the Bucks, Harris said the Lakers, and Drew said the Pacers were all around the map. And George, you just said he should look for a contending team. Well, I got your contending team here. They were in the finals. I think he should go to the Heat because he's more of that offensive threat for the team than Drogic is. This could be that possible possible possibility extra star on that team like i talked in the previous podcast that it could get him to that next level to possibly win the finals because you got a young hero on the team and you got jimmy butler and 
who knows Chris Paul and that team that, that they, that's probably that's about probably brought that game to game seven and it would have been a close game. Joe, I'm not even going to lie to you, man. That was the first team that I thought of before I thought of the Indiana Pacers. And the reason why I thought of it is it makes sense. Honestly, on paper, it really does. You're talking about Chris Paul. This guy's, this guy's a dog. We know what he's capable of. We know his mentality. He, his style of play is 100% heat basketball. It really is. But we know that we know that uh, Jimmy Butler and Chris Paul, they kind of they kind of butted heads a little bit in one of the final games before the playoffs started. And, uh, you know, listening to Jimmy talk about it, he basically said, you know, they asked him, you know, have you talked to Chris Paul? No, I haven't talked to Chris Paul. No, why would I? And then they said, well, you know, just see if maybe, you know, you guys are still feeling some animosity. And he's like, I don't care. I couldn't give a damn. And so uh, I personally feel like there might be some issues with them two uh, being cohesive enough. But if they were to be cohesive enough, I really think that team could – I really think that that team could get elevated to that next level that you were talking about, Joe. Yeah, so the Heat, that's an interesting pick. And I think it's a good one because, you know, prior to him going to the Thunder, that was – a trade destination for Chris Paul. And, you know, I I don't think there's any like bad blood between Jimmy and Chris Paul. I think that just goes to part of like that Mamba mentality. Like if you're on my team, I rock with you. If you're not, you're my enemy. So, you know, in that moment that you're talking about, Drew, like they might've had that small moment, but they're both winners. They both want to win. They both haven't won yet. So they're both hungry to win. So I think if they were to team up, you know, they put that to the side and be like, hey, you know, we're just dogs who were on the other side of, you know, battle. And now that we're on the same team, we got the same goals, you know, let's make this work. So I, I don't think that would be an issue. So I think the Heat would be, you know, a good spot, fits that mold of a team that, you know, is right there. And with the Heat maybe getting better, you know, a player like Chris Paul could definitely help them, you know, get back to the finals and possibly win it, you know, depending on who they have to play. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. We're going to switch it up now and talk about the NFL. The Miami Dolphins, after starting the season three and three, have now decided that it is time to start their first round pick, Tua Tagovailoa. Can you guys pronounce that, by the way? <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah? Is that how you pronounce it? That's how you say it. Tua Tagovailoa? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say it again, Joe. <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Tagovailoa. Sure. All right. He comes in to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has started six games for the Dolphins this season. Many thought that the Dolphins would not play Tua all season in order to make sure his health was good to go before he started his first game. So, Joe, is this the right time for Tua time in Miami? All right. I Look, I don't know if it's the right time yet because if you look at it right now, the Dolphins are sitting in second place in their division right behind the Bills. So they're sitting pretty good right now. I see that they play him later on down the season, but not while this, the team is hot. 
but I guess Brian Flores and company saw what he's been doing in practice. And from what I read, he's been doing really good in practice. I know it's just practice, but practice makes you better. And he did a pretty good job in his one drive on the last game. But you know what? But you know what, guys? What really impressed me about Tua is I don't know if you know this, but sometime after the game, Tua came back onto the field and sat down with his jersey and pads still on and just sat there for a little bit. So to me, that shows he loves this game of football. Yeah, I think that was just, you know, like one of those big moments for him soaking it all in, you know, after that, what could have been a career ending injury that he suffered in college. So, you know, the question is, you know, is it the right time for him to start? You know, it's kind of hard because Fitzpatrick has been playing lights out. He's got them in the playoff hunt, you know, second place in that division, like you said. But I think you hit a good point. I think, you know, they seen something in practice from Tua. And since they are fighting for that playoff spot, he could be that factor. And they are in a bye week this week. So that gives them an extra week, you know, to prepare to, you know, play with the number ones on the team and to get himself situated. So it's definitely going to be interesting because in college, you know, when he played in Alabama, he was one of the most efficient passers in college football history. He won the Walter Camp Maxwell Award and was the Heisman Trophy runner-up in 2018. So this guy could play, you know, and he provides more mobility, accuracy, and playmaking ability to that offense. Even if he doesn't have a strong, you know, grasp of the offense like Fitzpatrick does, he adds a different element, you know, to the game that defense has got to watch out for. What are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, well, obviously, I think now that the Miami Dolphins have the best backup quarterback in the league (laughs) in Fitzpatrick, he's doing really, Fitzpatrick's doing really well. So I'm kind of surprised they didn't really give Tua that much time to play in general. So, like, it concerns me because, like you said, he had almost a career ending injury in college. And uh, obviously there was no preseason this year, so there's no time for him to even get really situated playing any preseason games. And he is a kind of a mobile quarterback. And, uh, you know, it does suck to see other young players in the league playing, and he ain't playing. He's a top-five pick. So it's, you know, I want to see this guy play. But when you're in a 3-3 and situation, Fitzpatrick's doing amazing, and you're second place in your division, do you just change it and change the the scheme of your quarterback? I I don't think so. I don't really agree with it. Now, I would have maybe done what they already did last game where they had at least two, two, to, two to four minutes of garbage time play at the end of the game, uh, throw in Tua, give him some time like a preseason game. They did that only once so far, and all of a sudden they're saying start him. I don't, I don't agree with it. I would let Fitzpatrick at least start for two, three more games, let Tua come in on some garbage time or just you know certain situations, maybe like how sometimes the Saints play Hill in certain situations, certain plays, you know, that he could use his mobility just to get him situated with the team. Now, we'll see what happens, but I do believe in Tua. That's not the problem here. I'm, it's not saying I don't believe him in yet or whatever, but it would be nice to see him get more more, uh, more time in the game. Damn, Eric, I got to say, dude, I can't agree with you more, man. I really can't because – you make some great points. I think that 
it's not about whether or not it, he is ready or not necessarily he's ready, but it's not about whether or not that he should be the starter because he will eventually be the starter. And I think that he has the potential to be a great player in this league. Yep. I'm just curious of whether, you know, he's he should play because they've talked about how they were going to redshirt him for the whole season. And I really think that they should have kept with that. He's had some serious injuries and you never want to put your first round franchise QB in a situation where he's coming back too soon from injury. The Dolphins aren't the best team out there. Um, I would say they're, you know, below average, not like a ton below average, but they're, I would say they're about below average, maybe slightly below. They're not the worst team by any means, but they're not the best either for sure. Um, Making Tua jump into this system and expect him to deliver is exactly what I don't like about franchises and head coaches and their decision-making with these young quarterbacks. They're just like, throw this man to the fire. If he dies, he dies. We could always try again. And then he dies. And then they're like, oh, he died? What the hell? I really thought we had a winner here. Well, if you thought you had a winner, then why'd you throw him to the fire? I mean, in my opinion, it's just like, too soon, honestly. I think it's too soon. What are your yeah, thoughts? I think this is like, like to me, if you didn't give me any information on it and you just tell me, hey, Tua's starting, and I didn't know like the record or nothing, like I'm just hearing like rumor or whatever, I would think this is a save me move. Like they're doing bad, but they think they can make playoffs maybe, and they maybe they should play the pick now, you know, something like that, like a save me move. But they don't need to be saved in this moment. They're doing really well for a team I thought would be the top five or the bottom five of the barrel. So, I mean everything's being a surprise this year, obviously. So why are you doing this quote unquote, save me move when you you're on a better path than anyone imagined? Yeah. So to go on Andrew's uh, little point on, you know, are they rushing him back too soon? I don't think it's too soon. Cause when, when they drafted him, he was healthy and, you know, the question was, how healthy was he? Was he 100% healthy or was he more like maybe 90, 80% healthy? And I think by this, by halfway through the season, was it week seven? I think, you know, he is basically 100% healthy. And, you know, I think the coaches, they, they see something in him. And I don't think it's a save me mode, but it's like a, you know, take us to the finish line mode, like like a relay race, you know, Fitzpatrick did the first two laps, you know, and they're anchor is now Tua, you know, take us home. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I do think he's going to be healthy. And I think the fact that they have their bye week, you know, in week seven definitely helps them. And, you know, if there was no bye week and they were just like, hey, you know, we're throwing you in, you know, next week without any proper practice and training and stuff, I think it'd be a little different story. But with the bye week, I think it'll do him good to, you know, practice with the ones and get himself situated for the Rams coming up. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? You make a good point that the fact that they told him now, I like that they told him now. I really do because they're, I've seen it happen before to where they wait, you know, and they wait and they wait until like what, two days before the game or whatever. And all that uncertainty I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a guy, if you're a quarterback and you're thinking like, dude, like what's going on? Am I starting or am I not? Like, let me know. I need to know. You know what I mean? And yeah. And I love that they did it too, 
during when they had a bye week too. You know what I mean? Because now he's got two full weeks to fully take it in. Like I'm starting, fully prepare for that for that game. Um, I, I don't know who they're playing. I, I can I can check right now real quick. But I think I it's know. the Rams. The Rams. So fully prepare for that game versus the Los Angeles Rams, and just you know really just accept that this is now his time and his team. What do you, what are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I agree. This is going to be his team for the rest of the year, but he also has, like Eric said, he also has the best backup in the league behind him. And he could always look to, to him for advice on how to like, on like on this type of defense on this cover two when he's up when the safety is on this side and whatever like that he could always look for look to Fitzpatrick and say hey show me the way you know just sling it just sling it bro yeah <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding yeah and I I think another thing that kind of plays a factor is you know the Dolphins they've been a losing franchise for a while so right now they see a little you know, glimpse of hope, you know, since the Patriots are below 500 and it's just them and the bills, you know, currently in that one, two spot. So it's like, Hey, you know, let's, let's make a real push and, you know, try to win since they don't really know what winning has felt like in a while. You know, I think they're trying to go out there and get it. And, you know, I, I'm on, I was on that boat where I was like, yeah, you know, rest to a, the whole year, give him that Patrick Mahomes type of treatment. But if you were to start him at any time, I think this is the perfect time to throw him in, you know, given the bye week, given the situation. I, I think it's a good time if you were going to start him early. Yeah. Um, I like, like I read that. I think this is kind of like their plan the whole time. Sit to uh, let, get him as much healthy as he can play him in practice and, try to get as much game time as possible. I know they're going to do it the previous game, not the last game, but the game prior before that. But Brian Flores was like, I'm not just going to give him the ball just so you can hand it off for a minute, you know. But I think this was their plan the whole time, wait until their bye week, then give Tua the keys to the car, if you know what I'm saying. I do. I do, Joe. Keeping it in the NFL – News came out today that certain players in the Dallas Cowboys locker room have voiced their opinions on the coaches and their lack of productivity towards the team. One player spoke out saying that the members of the coaching staff aren't good at their jobs, quote unquote. Another player spoke as well saying the coaches are, quote, totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. So, Joe... Is there a mutiny going on in the Cowboys locker room? I don't think this these this report is true. I think that the reporters just want to make a story and put a scapegoat on someone for the losses. Plus, I plus if Dak was still healthy, I guarantee you we wouldn't be hearing a story like this because they're they were winning games, but they were ugly wins, you know. But um when I heard this story, I thought this was outrageous because I, I guess, I guess so. Like, if there is bad coaching, bad coaching doesn't cause fumbles, interceptions, or, um, uh, or just mistakes on the offense and defense. 
They're just trying to find an easy way out. They just need to take responsibility for their suckiness. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. Um, you know, winning is the cure to all of this. You know, if they were to have a winning record and playing well, this wouldn't be an issue. But because they're losing with the expectations that they did have, you know, you got to blame someone. And, you know, coach is one of the easiest people to blame. But I, I do think there is a little bit of truth behind it because, you know, what what we heard from McCarthy when he was in Green Bay was that he was he would be getting like massages like right before the games or he wouldn't really take things serious. So, you know, I'm not too surprised about this report. But again, if they were winning, I don't think this report would have came out because winning, you know, is the cure to all of this. But since they're losing and, you know, they're losing and to people they shouldn't be losing to, you know, you got to blame someone. Someone's got to be the scapegoat. Uh, what are your thoughts, Drew? I 100% disagree with both of you. I think there is a mutiny going on. I think the coaches are heavily responsible for this. You guys addressed two things. First thing you guys addressed, Joe, you addressed this. You said uh, the coaches aren't responsible for the defense not playing well. And I know you mentioned like the offense with fumbles and interceptions too, but I'm thinking that this came from players on defense because they specifically mentioned that they don't teach it. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Okay. And so I'm, I'm sensing that this came from defensive players based off of the fact that it says they're totally unprepared and they don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. So you talked about the defense playing bad. Maybe that's because they're not prepared as they should be. And what does that fall on? That falls on coaching a hundred percent because as a defense, if you, if you're unsure of what schemes you need to be doing and you're you're just pretty much a team that's out there tackling and that's it and i mean if that's if that's all you are then you're going to be historically bad and this team is trending towards historically bad this team had a top five defense two years ago now this defense like i said they're just on pace they the defense allows 173.3 rush yards per game let this sink in. If a team that has, that has a running back committee runs the ball like this, it's very possible that they have two rushers go for over 100 rushing yards versus this Dallas Cowboys team. You cannot win a game if you can't stop the run. The one thing that is common with all historically great defensive teams is that they've always stopped the run. It doesn't matter what era. 85 Bears, they stopped the run. 2000 Ravens, they stopped the run. The Legion of Boom Seahawks even, they were known more for their secondary, but one thing that was underrated about them was that they could stop the run. This Cowboys team cannot stop the run, and I think that has a big deal to do with preparation because this is something the coaches needed to address a month ago and still haven't. Next, they're allowing 36.3 points per game. The next highest team is Minnesota at 32 points per game they are averaging over four more points per game allowed than the next highest team clearly there is a lack of preparation walking into these games and that falls on coaching so i am 100 buying that this is true and what the players are saying i would totally agree with you andrew um not only that man it's you know during the garrett years and that whole coaching staff i always felt like they could never get over the hump they can never just get, you know, where they want to be, obviously. And 
then you get McCarthy in and hit and this new coaching staff and stuff. They also obviously did all that new, but some, most of the players are the same. Now it looks like they just are yelling for Garrett back. Like this is so bad. How I don't understand how you take a team that could have been deep in the playoffs and you make them look this bad. I don't think I've seen a team go this far into a dumpster fire within a few weeks of play and the right away players just running out, you know, blaming the coaching staff. I mean, McCarthy does have a reputation for calling out his wide receivers and blaming other people. And many people put the blame back in the day on Green Bay onto Aaron Rodgers saying that maybe he was the problem. And I think we, everyone is 100% sure now. Everyone knows what the problem was in Green Bay. And that's why the problem is not there no more. He's now in Dallas. And I agree with you, Drew, with everything you said. I just do not think McCarthy is doing the right stuff here. I just don't think he's doing the right plays. He's taking it too nonchalantly. He's not really, he's not showing me any, any try here. And uh, I don't see anything being good for the Dallas Cowboys uh, here on after, especially after the injuries they've had and Dak Prescott and a few of the linemen and stuff like that. I just don't, I just don't see anything going positive for them. I mean, they do have a positive in Andy Dalton. They're lucky enough to have Andy Dalton as a backup, someone who's been a starter for his whole career, you know, and he only missed a few of these uh, first few games with uh, Dak being in, but now with him out, they're lucky. I think they're lucky to have him, but is McCarthy going to help Dalton in this situation? I highly doubt it. I still think they're not going to do that great. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't have any faith in the coaching staff. Yeah, it's interesting, Eric, that you mentioned Mike McCarthy and you you talk about him on the Packers because it actually, you know, it actually makes me wonder the same thing. A lot of that blame was put on Aaron Rodgers because everybody knew Aaron Aaron Rodgers was to the Packers like LeBron James is to any team that he's ever been on. I mean, yeah. He, you know, he's going to be the guy that gets the blame for everything. And we, the thing, the thing is too, is that you can, I think you can get away with putting the blame on a basketball player because there's only five players on the court at once, but it's really difficult to point the blame on one player when there are, uh, when there are 21 other starters that play the game and We'll he's say not on the field for the defensive part. <laughs> he's not on the field for half the time, right? right? So it's it's hard to like point that out on this one player, and it makes me realize: was it really Aaron Rodgers, or was it more Mike McCarthy? But um, that's probably going to be a topic for another time. George, Joe, what are your thoughts regarding the Cowboys in the locker room? Yeah, so I mean. Sure, everyone should get some part of the blame and a slice of that pie. But, I mean, if we really think about it, you know, like I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, you know, Jerry Jones decided to overpay a lot of these guys who, ever since they got that big contract, have not been the same, have underperformed. And, you know, was that coaching that, you know, they maybe not cared as much once they got their big contract? I don't know. But since you guys are kind of, you know, going heavy on McCarthy, do you think, you know, they move away from him this season or moving forward? What, what's the thoughts with that? 
All right. Let, let, let me tell you something. This is what I think. It kind of goes with the, what you're saying here. I think this is Jerry Jones's time right now to fix his mistakes. His mistakes of overpaying players and now they're not showing up and even maybe picking the wrong type of coaching staff for the team. I think this is Jerry Jones's time because now he can take a step back, look at the players, look at the, t- the coaching staff, get rid of the coaching staff. It could be the end of the year. You know, let, the le- let the year play out. Maybe they even get a first, uh, a good first rounder you know, in the draft. And he takes his time, finds the right coaching staff. And I say, yes, get rid of the coaching, the coach, um, but also get rid of some of the players. So he could, he could easily pick out the players. Now this is Jerry Jones. You'll find out the ones who were speaking and, you know, because as much as you would like someone to come out and speak upon your team as a player, you know, you have that respect, respect factor between the players and the coaches and the owners and blah, blah, blah. Um, if you just have a guy blurting out, like someone saying, oh, the coaching, the coaching uh, sucks. They're not doing it right. They're blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they want to know that. But do they want them telling random reporters and reporters bring it out? Then it's a secret. Then it causes drama. No. So this is Jerry Jones's time to find out the, the poisons within the, this whole team, not just the players, but the whole team. Do the firing. Do the letting go. Do the trading. Whatever you got to do. And grow upon that because then you'll save, maybe hopefully save some money when you trade or, or get rid of people, free agency. And then also with a new coach, uh, maybe someone with not such a high ceiling, like a Matt McCarthy, everyone thinks, you know, this, he's a top name, but I just don't believe in him. But uh, I th- really think this is Jerry Jones's time to get in there and make his moves and fix his, all his uh, mistakes. I, I have a hard time thinking – I have a hard time agreeing with you on that, Eric, because I, the way that it sounds like to me, and I could be wrong, but the way it sounds like to me is you're saying like, all right, Jerry Jones needs to, you know, blow up – basically blow up the team and get rid of, you know, these players here, get rid of the coaching staff there. It, it, that's what it sounds like to me. I don't know. what it, What do you – is that what it sounds like or no? Is that what you're saying? It, it did sound that way. And it, and it made it sound like I was blowing up the team. But in reality, it was only about two players that came out to the media that way. I mean, there might be more players talking about it within within the team, but that's okay. It should be an inside thing. It shouldn't be outside. But you're, so, also, talk, but you're also talking about, like, you know, players with high contract getting traded too, right? Well, well that this is what I'm saying. I'm saying if. So, like, if some of those players who are talking to the media and causing more drama happen to be those guys with a high contract – and like you said, half the guys that he overpaid ain't really producing. So in that case, that gives him a free ride to get rid of that player, trade him, do whatever he has to do to fix it, that mistake. Now, is that blowing up the whole team? No, because like I said, that was only about two players that came out and were speaking to the media that way. But on the other hand, the coaching staff, I mean, I would just probably get rid of the coaching staff even if there wasn't any drama. Let's just look at the start. So and that's only getting rid of uh, the coach and then uh, two players max. But let's just say, like I said, I was just – making sure like maybe some of these dudes that are talking or, you know, are one of these big buck players, because if they're talking that way, they better be getting paid big bucks. Cause if they ain't, if they're talking like that and they're getting paid small bucks for not doing anything, I don't want to hear it. It really seems like, and you know, I think a lot of, a lot of heat went towards Jason Garrett's way. And I think that, I think that it was deservedly so because Jason Garrett, he's not, he wasn't a bad coach, but he wasn't a great coach. And he was like that average coach. Honestly, he couldn't elevate his team to a level 
you know, to a level that we've seen like a Pete Carroll elevate his team or uh, I was going to pair to a Mark Jackson. (laughs) Right. And, um, to that extent, but right. And we seen him, you know, have a good talented roster and they can only go as far as, you know, making the playoffs and winning their division and that's it. And when you think about it, this team on paper, this team should be a lot better in my opinion. And, that's why you bring in a good coach to elevate the team to that next level of better. And they did, in my opinion, they did the opposite when all, when, when everything, when the, when the coaching staff was brought in, Mike McCarthy, I've never, I haven't been a fan of him for about, I want to say about five years now. Um, I think that he's among some of those, like, you know, those Jeff Fisher coaches, those, uh, I mean, I, I don't like to say Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien was never honestly successful, but, um, you know, some of those coaches that they're just, they're past their time already and they, they, they need to just, I think, move on from, because the NFL is changing. The NFL is changing to a different style and, these coaches are so used to a style that is long gone. And I think that's why they, that's why they're not as successful. And I will say this though, if I'm a player and my coaches and I want to win, keep in mind, if I'm a player and I want to win and my coaches are being lazy and they're not doing enough to help me as a player win and to help my team who also wants to win, win, then I, I'm going to speak up on it too. Now you guys make a good point. Okay. Well, maybe they shouldn't have spoke to the reporters. That's probably fair. Maybe they tried talking to Jerry Jones. Maybe they tried doing that already at this point and it didn't get anywhere. And so maybe they're thinking, you know what? I got it. I got to get the news out somehow. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah. So I, I think some of this blame should go on those high paid, uh, paid players, you know, I don't think it's all the coach's job to get them, you know, fired up and motivated. Like you're saying, um, they got big contracts. They're professional athletes. They should be motivated already. And they seem to be the common denominator when it was Jason Garrett. And now, uh, they're just not performing, you know? So is that coaching or is that just the players that's, you know, don't care once they got paid? What are your thoughts? I will say we don't know who actually said these comments regarding the play. Like I said, this could have been, this could have been, and it seems to me at least like it's from defensive players. So when, when we talk about those big contract players, at least this is what I'm thinking of specifically. I'm thinking like Zeke, I'm thinking Amari. Is that who you guys are thinking of as well? Or no, there's a bunch on the defense too, like what Demarcus Lawrence and you know they got big time contracts on that defense too. And I, I'm not saying you know that I'm blaming the people that spoke out, but I'm just saying like these big people, these guys that got these big contracts, they're not living up to their contract. And this was before McCarthy even got there. So I I think you know to a point of Eric, what he was saying where. I would, in a sense, blow up the defense. You know, you you got a good offense, but, you know, trade whatever you can. You know, Demarcus Lawrence, get him out of there. Some of these other guys who you paid aren't performing. Get them out of there. Get some other people that are hungry, willing to play and win for a good team. 
And like I was saying, I think the argument, though, is that these players that did speak up, they are hungry and they want to win, but they don't feel like their coaching staff is doing enough for them to win. Now, to address your point, I mean, the only big player that I can think of that was that got paid was Demarcus Lawrence. That's the only big player I can think of. And uh, a lot of these players that are on this team are the same players that were there two years ago when that defense was a top five defense. So clearly this team has shown that they can be that top level defense. So in my opinion, what's, who do I think I'm thinking it's coaching because these players have proven that they've been hungry enough to become a top five defense. And right now they're not right now. They're not a top five defense. They're not a top anything. They're a bottom for a lot of categories. And I think that that, I think that when you have a team that two years ago was a top five defense and they sink this low, I think that has something to do with the fact that, you know, the coaching change. Well, okay. So to go on that, that's basically, you know, going on what I'm saying, you know, two years ago before they got their contracts, they were playing elite. They got their contract and this is why you can't really blame McCarthy because, you know, they were doing bad with Jason Garrett. So they're playing great before they got their contracts, they get their contracts, they become complacent. And now, you know, they're not performing like they were pre big contract. And, you know, you can't really blame McCarthy for that because this happened before he got there. This isn't just this season that it just happened. So Joe, I want to know if you got any final thoughts on this segment. No, I'll just stick to, I'm sticking to what I wrote, fake news. And I don't really believe there's not really anything going on in that side, that locker room. I think it's just bad play and coaching doesn't cause fumbles, interceptions, or missed tackles. I guess we'll just have to wait and see as it goes further. We'll have to see what comes out of this story. We're going to keep it to, we're going to keep to the NFL, but move on to a different topic. There are only three undefeated teams now remaining through six weeks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tennessee Titans, and the Seattle Seahawks. All three teams have rightfully deserved to be undefeated after their performances so far this season. But the question is, who will remain undefeated the longest? So, Joe, which one of these undefeated teams will stay undefeated the longest? Honestly, to me, the Steelers will continue to be undefeated because they're playing good football on both sides of the ball. On the offensive side, Big Ben found his new favorite target in in Chase Claypool. He's a star in the making. And on defensive side, that whole defense is all around great. They're locking down the receivers, stopping the run, and getting to the QB. Plus, the Steelers play the Titans this week, so only one team will come out undefeated in that game. Joe, what if they tie? They will both still be undefeated. Like I said, one team's coming out (laughs) of that game winning. And you just have to wait until Friday's podcast for me to tell you who that's going to be. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I do think it's going to be the Steelers coming out. You know, they play the Titans, then the Ravens, and then, you know, and I think they could beat the Ravens you know, with Big Ben's experience and Lamar, you know, not always showing up on the brightest stages. So, 
And then after they get the Ravens, they got the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Jaguars. So I, I see an easy path for both the Titans and the Steelers coming up. But I do think the Steelers will beat the Titans. And uh, like Andrew said, you know, they're able to good defenses are able to stop the run. And the Steelers got a good defense. So we'll see if they could stop, you know, Derrick Henry. But the Steelers will be undefeated longer than the uh, Titans and the Seahawks. What are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, um, it's going to be a three-way tie for the rest of the season. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I I definitely have the Pittsburgh Steelers as well being undefeated. In fact, I'm going to say that after this Sunday that I think the Steelers will be the only team undefeated. I think the Steelers would beat the Titans, and I think that the Cardinals would beat the Seahawks this week in a stunner. So I would say that the Pittsburgh Steelers would be undefeated until, you know, possibly next week. I know their schedule, eh, it, it gets to to be the uh, the Ravens next, and I, I don't know. They could easily lose that game. But uh, I, the Steelers are doing really well, and I just see them being undefeated the longest, but I, I probably have them losing the Ravens the next week. So I don't think there's going to be too many undefeated teams going past uh, uh, the seventh week. Yeah, so it's interesting, Joe, that you mentioned that the Steelers are playing the Titans because odds are they're not going to tie. So odds are one of those teams will not be undefeated after this week. And I think that that team is going to be – I think that the team that's going to lose is going to be the Titans. And I think that the team that's going to win – and I love what the Titans are – the Titans are doing – they're playing great football, honestly. But – I think the Steelers are going to beat them. And I think that the Seahawks, they have a tough stretch of games, man. They got the Cardinals, like you said, Eric. After that, they have the Seahawks. I'm sorry, they have the Niners. They have the Bills. They have the Rams. And then they have the Cardinals again. So they have a five, a tough five-week stretch coming up. And they can easily lose any one of those games. Um, I can see them easily losing against the Cardinals, or the 49ers, or the Bills, or the Rams. Like like I said, they can lose any one of these games very easily. And the Steelers, let's talk about the Steelers. The reason why I say it's the Steelers is because this is a team that has a strong chance to secure the first seed and make it to the Super Bowl. I knew that it was all going to depend on whether or not Big Ben could come back and be good enough. And he's shown that he's been actually better than good enough in five games, he's got 1,178 yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. One interception. His passer rating is efficient at 105.2 for the season. So we're talking. We're talking. He doesn't. He doesn't necessarily have the big stats that like he used to have when he was when when that offense was pretty good with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. He doesn't necessarily have like the stats that he had then, but he's got stats and efficiency that are good enough to get them places. And that's all that they need. And the thing is too, we're talking about a 38 year old quarterback here who has come back from injury after injury, and he still produces at a high level. We always talk about Brady and Rogers and we forget that big Ben has won two Super Bowls and continues to play at a hall of fame caliber level. The defense is ranked second in total yards per game and at 285.2 yards per game. So they only allow the other team to have 200, 285.2 yards per game on average. 
and then they rank third in total points scored per game. So they only allow the other team to score about 18.8 points per game. This gives them a number one rank defensively. And with Big Ben keeping that offense rolling, this is going to be the toughest team to beat right now. They are my vote to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think we all pretty much agreed. Uh, Take it away, Joe. Yeah, that's a bold statement you said there that you think they're going to make it all the way to the Super Bowl, Drew. I don't know. You, the lights, when the lights get brighter, teams play harder. So I would like to, I would like to see that you're right, but I don't know. Just there's gonna be some heavy hitters coming out of the AFC, the the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs, and um, possibly we could see the Bills in there with with my underdog sleeper pick for the who could get into playoffs maybe the Colts but we'll see yeah you're right Joe it is kind of a bold prediction because you know Big Ben was hurt last year so no one really they people talked about this defense the Steelers defense but no one really talked about how you know how much this team could actually do and that was one thing that I was asking myself in the beginning well I mean, how good can Big Ben be coming back from that kind of an injury that, you know, the Tommy John injury? I mean, Joe, you, you know, you, you're a baseball guy. I mean, that kind of, that kind of injury has the potential to end careers, huh? Yeah, definitely. If you don't um, do a recovery, right. If you um, lack at it, yeah, it could have a potential to ruin careers. And this is a 38 year old quarterback, you know what I mean? So it could have it could have really prevented him from coming back to even half as good as he was. And we're seeing that he's playing at a high level. And because of that, and the fact that the defense is ranked number one, let's be real here, guys. Big Ben, he's been there. He's done that. You were talking about Joe, the lights being the brightest. He's been on that stage. He's won two Super Bowl rings. And both Super Bowl rings that he had, he was with a team that had, guess what? The number one ranked defense. I'm thinking they got this. Yeah, you're right. They did have the number one ranked defense, but that was years ago. And schemes change, uh, plays change. So we'll have to see when the time becomes the playoffs, you know. George, did you want to add anything to that? Um, no, I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement. The Steelers are probably going to be undefeated the longest. Uh, bold prediction right there, but the way they're looking right now, not a crazy one. You know, I mean, they do got a top defense, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, an experienced quarterback, you know, explosive weapons on the offensive side. You know, they got multiple receivers that can, you know, hurt you. So, not not a crazy prediction, but a bold one. We'll have to see. Eric, any final thoughts? No, I'm good, man. Should be the Steelers, man, all the way. All right. Well, the last thing that we're going to do today is Thursday Night Football. Pick them. Joe, we got the Eagles. We got the Giants. Who you got? Yeah, well, this is going to be a total suck fest as a game, but 
I say the Eagles are going to win it because they're coming off of a close loss to the Ravens, but losing by two, so they're feeling some type of hype. We we might we might see them get get a good dub today. Joe, I got some to say. I mean, I, I I personally love me a good suck fest, but I mean that's just me. Um, but uh-huh. you know. A matchup like this usually could determine uh, the number one pick in next year's draft, but this game right here could come down to winning the division. So it'll be a a good one to watch. And uh, I actually got the uh, Giants winning this. You know, the the Eagles, they're all, right. all banged up. Miles Sanders, you know, Zach Ertz, the O-line, injuries all across. So I'm, I'm going to go Giants in the suck. All right. That's a good pick, but I think we all know the Jets locked in that number one spot for the pick, so. Be something to watch, right. for sure. Yeah. Um, I was planning on watching Batman that day, and I don't even think Batman's on that day, but uh, I guess I'll go for the Eagles, man. They, I, yeah, that's a terrible game. I, I feel sorry for anyone cracking a beer for that game. I think you got to crack a beer for that game. <laughs> Yeah, you might crack a yeah, double, yeah, to be after honest, but even then it's like a way. You gotta crack a whole 12. Maybe a 30. Yeah, maybe a 30. That way at least it doesn't look bad. Yeah, I think you're cracking more beers than one. That's for sure. And who knows? Maybe it'll be so bad that it'll be like really good. Maybe it'll be like 40 to 40 on nothing but like safeties and like touchdowns and something crazy. A 40 to 40 tie? That would be 2020. <laughs> yeah, that would be 2020 in a nutshell. Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be Highly Contested. Have a good one. Highly Contested. 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 Highly contested.